down because of foreign wars we wage. More to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned. Right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous money will not turn into guns All we need to know is asphalt All we buy is made out of foreign shorts Come a day when the be real hell pay I've got to be free The way God made sense And I won't broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, committee live from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and glad to be with you live at a slight hiccup that put me just a few moments behind the usual start time, and I'm still having issues with BTR trying to get the uh, chat room opened up properly and all this other wonderful stuff, which par for the course lately, and all the more reason for me to be seeking a new platform. But hey, you know, I don't like to complain too much, especially today. I do want to give a shout-out to Chief, who has uh, managed to get into the chat room. Uh, hopefully, uh, it's operating better for him than it is for me. And of course, today, as we normally do on most Wednesdays, uh, going to be joined uh, by Mr. Ron Edwards, who is already on the line with us. You maybe can hear him as I've not got him muted, but before I start with Ron, and I hope he will give me just a moment, uh, I did want to acknowledge the passing of a very good friend of the show. Uh, for some of you uh, who've been super longtime listeners, uh, you're very familiar with Miss Mary Brockman. Uh, she was someone who encouraged me in ways that uh, it's hard to explain unless you've been doing this for a while. Uh, I went from a show at the very beginning where I focused almost exclusively on policy and we made those 
discussions, and I tried to make it interesting and entertaining as we went, but it's not the sexiest of uh, topics when that stays your focus. So then I played with different formats, and every step of the way, though, one of the first listeners uh, to my broadcast was Mary uh, Brockman. And she continued to be a uh, just a loyal listener beyond uh, the likes that most people uh, can can manage. I mean, if we were on, she was here. There was no excuses, and she was always encouraging. And she was just sharp as a tack. And, and from the very beginning, she was a very special person. Uh, to me as far as being supportive of this, and she was supportive in ways that it wasn't financial, but she would participate in the chat room. She would share the show with other people. She was involved as much as possible, and that's just what she did for me. She did the same thing for tons of other people. Uh, She was one of the most beloved fixtures in a majority of conservative-minded BTR shows, and um, she had a longer-lasting commitment to uh, Kenneth uh, McClinton, a.k.a. the exceptional conservative. And when he left this platform and started his own network, uh, suddenly his broadcasts were in conflict with a lot of mine. So she stopped stopping in as frequently. So she went from being here all the time to being here whenever the opportunity arose, and it was a rarity, and it became a very special treat to have her back in. And unfortunately, she had – been fighting uh, a battle uh, with her health for a little while now, and I very sadly found out today that she had passed yesterday. So I want to thank uh, uh, Bell Ann for uh, uh, letting me know, uh, and again, a- another person who has on a fairly regular basis uh, been here and been supportive. Uh, I have to say we've talked a lot here uh, about how special Kel Fritzy was and how I became a bigger part of this community through the six degrees of separation effect from Kel. I probably would have walked away from this before I got to meet Kel if it hadn't been for Mary. So uh, I just wanted to send up the word. Hopefully she's able to to hear my sentiment. Uh, I love you, Mary. Uh, You will be missed. And for those of you who are inclined to do so, I ask that you join me in prayer for comfort and healing for the family that will be missing her, not just her blood family, but her extended family as well. Uh, Rest in peace, my friend. You will be missed. And with that having been said, now we've got to move on to the sad state of the country, uh, which is slightly diminished with the loss of Mary. But uh, Ron, uh, as always, you are very generous with your time. You are joining me again today. And as always, I greatly appreciate it, sir. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Um, it's an honor to be here, and I'm sorry about the loss of your friend. I never met her, but she uh, sounds like it sounds like she had a great impact on you. That she was a wonderful person, and um, by your description, I'm only sorry I never met her. Uh, may she rest in peace, as you said. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. All right. Uh... Ron, where do we even start? Uh, I had some stuff come up. I haven't been on air since last Wednesday, and of course we had the 
most ridiculous crap of Hollywood jo- jumping on to the Georgia voting integrity laws uh, at, at that point. I was making the point then that there's only three types of people that were bad-mouthing this law, uh, either A, people who know nothing at all about it but are trusting somebody else to tell them it's bad, B, people who do know something about it but don't understand it at all, and then C, uh, the people who do know personally what it is and are bald-faced lying to you uh, with two subcategories, either because they would rather have Democrats win elections than worry about uh, trust in elections, or B, uh, they're just trying to manipulate you and control you. Uh, and in either case, there's a there's still nothing but flat-out lies. Since then, we've had the whole Major League Baseball debacle, which I know you spoke about on your show. Uh, it, the insanity is just over the top with this story from bullying the Major League out and uh, now uh, using the same standards the left's trying to, to push them into a corner. And now there's talk about the Olympics, uh, the U.S. Olympic team uh, boycotting the China upcoming Olympics and all this insanity. I don't even know where to jump in. There's so much wrong. But, Ron, if if you would share a little of your thoughts on what's going on with these Georgia integrity laws and why the left hates it so much that they're willing to paint themselves into a corner uh, to try and just bash Republicans there. It's not that they really even truly hate the law, but they know that there's an incurably ignorant mass of people out there, and they're just using this as an opportunity to lead uh, the the incurably ignorant masses in the wrong way because they know, just as you and I know, that uh, in some cases the Georgia law is less restrictive than, let's say, oh, New York, Colorado, two liberal states, by the way. And I'm going to tell you something, Tim, and I'm sure you'll believe – you'll agree with me that if – the left were all about integrity, were all about the right people voting, meaning those who are eligible to vote, meaning U.S. citizens, uh, not illegal border crossers and things of that nature, and they wanted truly fair elections. If that was their goal, they would have left uh, matters alone. They basically got what they wanted, in my opinion. Uh, They've got uh, absentee voting, 17 or 19 days. Uh, I mean, goodness, it will, if it were up to me, there would be no absentee voting unless you're crippled or something like that, just could not make it. Other than that, you're screwed if you're too lazy to get there. And by the way, if you're too weak to carry a, um, an, a voter ID card, uh, perhaps you're probably dead. Uh, and, and I think that the people running around, you know, you need – an identification just to buy baseball tickets. You need an identification to do just about anything. Um, you make a purchase in a store. If you, if, if, whatever you do, just about every time you go to bank uh, to get a job, to cash a check, do whatever. I mean, there's so many things I just can't think of them all right now. But you need an identification. But yet, the one thing, the one activity on earth that in the United States of America. Black people cannot get voter ID. On one hand, they think, well, you know, they're not that bright. And so we've got to make things that much easier for them. Well, the goal is, yes, the left 
leftist white people think that blacks are dumb, and they want to dummy down everything to that level. But they also, the bigger issue for them is they want it so that anyone who crosses this border illegally can vote because in the battle of ideas, they cannot win. That is why people like uh, – I'm looking at an awful picture of her. Uh, the, the one they call the vice president has never <laughs> made it – yeah, has never made it to the border yet. Right. That beast hasn't even gone to the border. But you know, I know that's veering in, into another direction. So I just want to keep it where you you ask me, uh, Tim. These people are just so evil. But I am very, very. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised that a majority of Americans aren't falling for this. Even I think fifty. It, I, I, it, well, I saw two polls, one 51 percent and another 56 percent of Democrats who are against what is, has been happening here with the voter issue in Georgia. I mean – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's fine, but I was just going to interject there. Uh, that changed uh, rather dramatically, rather quickly once they realized how much money – was going to be lost now since the Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game out of a uh, a primarily black community in the state of Georgia at a primarily Democratic voting bloc and moved it to a primarily white community that does in fact have more restrictive voting laws uh, in Colorado. So once people started cluing into that, those unintended consequences based on their feelings, uh, there was a sudden shift then. We didn't see it before that, but I'm glad there is still something that can get these folks' attention. But, Tim, I just want to add that something really quick. If you notice in whatever issue, whether it's voting, whether it's uh, – I don't care what it is. Whenever Democrats, white Democrats, have a solution that impacts Black Americans And get them all Frothing at the mouth Over whatever particular issue it is Even to the point of rioting The solution that these white liberal leftists have Is always much worse Makes things much worse for them That is why Detroit Went from the wealthiest city on earth To one of the poorest In the western hemisphere Because white liberals decided well, you know what? You should be more angry over white people that don't like you than the fact that you all have jobs and are making big money in the 1950s and early 60s. We'll focus you on hate so you'll burn your own city down and start an, a tradition that goes on unto this day. Whenever blacks get mad, they're led by white liberals like the ones in Antifa and in government. They stick them in the butt with a pitchfork and get them going. And they, what do they do? Destroy where they live. And in the case of Seattle, they, what, they rape people in their homes, fathers in front of their homes, in front of their, in front of their families. Um, this is – and it, it, it's a pattern. It just goes on. It started in the 1960s, and it hasn't stopped. And they go along with these conditions. You've seen – I'm sure you've seen um, – I don't know if Nashville has massive slums, but uh, Memphis does. And what party has been ruling over Memphis for at least 50 years? Uh, closer to 120 years, Ron. Yeah. And I, I think <laughs> that it's 
those guys that are for all the little people if you believe their lies. Yeah, it's the Democrat control. And you're right. I mean, we've seen it. The, the patterns repeated itself even well before uh, the 50s. We've seen it in Harlem. We have seen it uh, across the country. We've seen it in Missouri. We've seen it literally everywhere. Is It's all about manipulation and uh, let us come be your savior because you're not capable. No, yeah. I mean, it's not even soft bigotry. We call it soft bigotry of low expectations, but it's not even soft bigotry. It's out-and-out out racism, and it's not perpetrated by the people they keep claiming, and it's tragic to me because at some point you would expect even even the dumbest individual, someone that is dumb as a freaking rock, could eventually figure out uh, what you're saying about me isn't very nice. <laughs> I love it, but and but it's true. I, I love it how how you put it. Um, but but I've seen it. See, I was brought up to 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 understand that my biggest goal in life is not to make every white person bow when I walk in the room. In fact, I was taught not to give a a rip. <laughs> so. And to be the best that I could be, take the Fred, Frederick Douglass or Booker T. Washington approach, be the best. And by being the best that you can be, your gift makes – opens doors for you, makes a way for you, brings about respect like Frederick Douglass had, like Booker T. Mm -hmm. Washington had. Of course, the left hated um, Booker T. Washington because he said, hey, you can prosper where you're at, and he did. And Which is they, also they why that. they, also why they now claim that his uh, autobiography is a, a work of fiction. I, I think we talked about that on a previous broadcast. Yes, mind-boggling. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the goal shouldn't be to have anyone bow down to you. The goal should be to have somebody, everybody, look you square in the eye, and at the very least, be able to recognize you for who you are. And Sad if if you're not a very good person, like I don't know, let's uh, just picking a name at random, uh, Hunter Biden. <laughs> if you're a, if you're a piece of crap like Hunter Biden, and I look you in the eye and I'm like, okay, buddy, then you've earned that. But anyway, <laughs> but and see, here's the thing, when and see, one thing that that Democrats love about black people, and most people don't think about this. See, when the bastardized rights movement, one thing, good thing that came out of the bastardized rights movement, that it, it, it became illegal to, for racist white people to attack blacks physically, lynch them, and things of that nature. Okay, that was the one good thing that came out of the bastardized rights movement. So after that, the, 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 the uh, Democrats were running around, oh my God, what are we going to do? Beat them up anymore. We can't mess them up. Uh, but we want to still screw them over. We can't stand the, the thought of blacks rising up in the ranks and being a part of America, a positive part of America. Oh, what shall we do? Oh, oh, we got it. Okay, we'll take over the government school systems. We'll stupefy them, convince them to vote a certain way as well, turn the mammies, I mean the females, against the fathers, the males, bring them up in a, in a, under the spirit of hatred, produce generation after generation of, of abuse, self-inflicted. And so now blacks have fully replaced the, the grand wizards of the uh, 
KKK who run around and said, well, I tell you what, those niggers over there, they done made us to retire. And, boy, they, they do more to each other in a weekend than we thought we could do in a whole year. And that's true. Did you know, Tim, that in one year, pick a year, pick a year, any year. And in that year, blacks have killed more blacks than the KKK killed in its entire full run. So Margaret Sanger, she she died knowing that the Negroes were on their way to do what they could no longer do to them anymore, killing their own babies. And after the Bastard Ice Rights Movement and the, the extraction of morality out of the uh, black community and common sense and teachings and things of that nature, they became stupefied and follow after the same donkey party that now kicks them in the head intellectually, causing them to be crazy and self-destructive like no other single group of people in the world. Boom. So they still have their same goal. That's why Biden, who was a, an avowed racist, the only reason why he doesn't molest or hasn't molested black children because he considered black people dirty. So that's good for black people in that regard. But this man, that man hates black people. The only one he liked was Ali Obama because Ali Obama became higher, and, higher than him in position and said, boy, he's the only clean black I've ever known. Whoa, and he's intelligent. He can speak well. I think that's what he said. He, he, he speaks well. He knows the language. Remember in the 1960s, I think, he, no, it was in the 70s, when he said he didn't want his uh, he didn't want integration, as most Democrats didn't, because he didn't want his children going to jungle schools. Yeah. See, the Democrats are out-and-out out racist. I will say that until it is, it is changed. And for people to run around here saying, oh, it's not true, this, that, and the other, either like you would say they're stupid, untaught, or I guess you are stupid if you just sit around and believe whatever – someone else tells you without researching for yourself. So, it, it, and it just goes on and on. They retired the KKK. Yeah, I mean, they, they're they not really needed anymore. No, no. I mean, you, you actually make an extremely good point in bringing up Margaret Sanger. Uh, we spend a lot of time uh, discussing uh, incarceration rates and how it's a disproportionate. Uh, nobody bothers to talk about the proportionate rate of crime committed. But <laughs> when, when we look at uh, that disproportionate ratio, I wonder how many people have stopped to think about if Margaret Sanger hadn't been so successful, if these white leftists uh, hadn't been so successful in eliminating uh, – your right to defend yourself in places like Chicago, uh, would uh, would black Americans be less than 50 percent of the national uh, population today if they hadn't been so successful at those plans? Um, good, good, good question, sir. I know it would be a lot higher than it is now. I don't know if they'd be 50 percent, but um, I know it would be a lot higher than it is today. Um, I don't think the uh, Latinos, the Latinos, man, would have caught them as far as population because at no. one time blacks far outnumbered. But then again, I don't know. The Latinos were bound to catch up with um, 
the blacks and may catch up with the whites because they're all being led into the country. Yeah. Because the reason why the Democrats are doing that, because they're hedging their bets, they're saying, well, wait a minute. What if enough blacks suddenly, like a miracle, wake up and realize that we're the problem? We have to have a replacement. A ready-made replacement are these fat things. Oh, have you seen how many fat people are crossing the border? I have thought it rather odd that so many <laughs> desperately poor and starving people who've just been on a track of thousands of miles, supposedly on foot, have managed to get here in such a rotund fashion. I mean, some of them actually make me feel like I'm in shape. So, yeah, I have noticed. Right. I, I, I I look at that in amazement, and, and, and um, I see how they're dressed. They come over with clean T-shirts with Biden on them, and uh, all of them have phones. When they're sitting around leaning against a fence or something like that or a wall, they're all in a row looking at their phones, iPhones, not those cheap Obama phones. Um, and they're all prepped to get almost everything in life that they want. The state of New York is planning to give them about $2.1 Billion dollars if you're an illegal border crosser, of course. You're going to get a lot of money. If you're an American, you're going to get fewer opportunities because Biden continues to do things that will harm the economy. And well, it'll, the harm will kick in next year. Uh, it takes about that time for things to gear up, whether it's positive or negative. It takes about a year for things to fully um, matriculate so that uh, you'll see the impact. Um, and, and, and so – Americans will have few and fewer opportunities. I didn't mention the little checks or whatever, the 1400 or whatever that, that was being mailed out as payoff money for, for, for the incurably ignorant masses um, because that's not opportunity. That's not long-term growth. That's not what we need. What we need is a free, open economy that produces opportunity. Not only just to get a job, but also if you want to run an open and start a business. That's what it's about. And by the way, Tim, we need business startups more than any other time in our history. You know why? Because most of the large businesses in this country are corrupt enemies of you and I, we the people. They support what happened in, with Georgia and um, taking the all-star game out. They support all this bull capitalist with a hit. We need new airlines. We need new manufacturing companies. We need new um, uh, media uh, concerns. We need all of that. And it cannot happen if the economy is shut down. We need new sources of producing a currency that is of value. Because in the present state of, the affair, of affairs, by uh, in, in a couple of years, it will literally, not figuratively, take at least about a half a wheelbarrow of $20 bills to go get a loaf of bread. If the, the current plans come to fruition of spending that the uh, Democrats want to do, this is not hyperbole whatsoever. It's just economics 101. So, but there are other things that are good, that are coming online, that will be something that will usurp the impact of these negative things for Americans whose 
ears are to the ground and they, they see what's going on and they can make investments and do certain things. And you just have to do your own personal research. But so we don't have to be caught with our pants down figuratively. But if you're not fighting this thing, we, we also have to fight. We have to just say no. Remember what happened with Lech Walensa? Uh, in the uh, during the, the Reagan years, I remember that uh, it's something that was heartwarming for me because as a young guy um, in Cleveland, um, praying with the the Polish people for freedom in Poland, I was the only black guy there. It was a huge circle of Polish people in downtown Cleveland, and me and a couple of buddies were just strolling around, and I saw them. I didn't even think about it. Next thing you know, I was there in the, in the circle with crying when praying with these people because uh, I got it, man, because I knew too much about history and, and things about that and the struggles of, for freedom around the world and all that, and I, and I got it. And uh, I remember a lot of the uh, major businesses in downtown Cleveland had these little candles in their windows, even the hotels, because I remember Reagan told everyone, well, remember to put those candles in the windows as, as a symbolic gesture that we're all united uh, for freedom of the great people of Poland and like Valenza, and, and we did. I, and um, my friends laughed at me when I came back. They patiently waited for me. Why did, you, why did you do that, man? I said, look, I said, I don't know. I, I was next thing you know, I was there. And uh, I said, I always have a heart for people that uh, want what's good. I, I just, I said, that's just who I am. Either like it or lump it. But uh, here we are in this country in the same position as they were when Lech Walensa. But are we, Tim, in mass going to just stand up, get up and get in the street one day and say no? And, Tim, I've said this to some people, and you know what they tell me? We don't have time. We have our jobs. We have this, that, and the other. To which I replied, idiot, if they continue on this road and we don't stop it, you won't have a job. You won't have a house. You won't have something to end. So either fight now while we have resources or wait and see if God will do another miracle like he was supposed to do uh, during the election time. Okay, how will that do you? Huh? So um, to which, uh, depending on the level of friendship or the end of the individual I was speaking to at the time, either uh, they came around or I got Mr. Click over the phone. So, <laughs> so say hey. it ain't so, Ron. Say it ain't so. <laughs> yeah, some people just don't like to hear that truth. Uh, Ron, let, let me kind of pick up on what you were hitting on a second ago when we come back from the mid-hour break. Uh, so if you'll stay right where you're at and if everybody hanging out in the chat room and everybody listening wherever you're listening at, uh, just stay put. Uh, Ron and I will be right back after this very brief break. Does anybody know the real definition of racist? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, during the Democrat Party 2020 presidential election primaries, then-Senator Kamala Harris called Joe Biden racist. No surprises there because most white Democrats are racist and destructive enemies of this wonderful republic. As is Nasty Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, etc. 
Now many Democrats, including Joe Biden, believe that if you are in favor of enforcing U.S. immigration laws and vetting people at the border, you are racist. Democrats also believe that if you prefer good moral standards or Judeo-Christian ethics, you are racist. Democrats also promote the insane concept that requiring high achievement for black American students is racist because they prefer blacks to be dummy down, easy to control dolts on the Democrat plantation of low standards and low brow living. By the way, to be racist is to have an unreasonable bent against others, to believe others are inherently inferior. Democrats think blacks are inferior and thus seek to lower all standards to accommodate those they believe have less ability, which could destroy our republic in the process. Mm -mm -mm. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Hello, this is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Did you know that the unemployment rate for homeless veterans was twice the national average? And without proper shoes, it's hard to get a job? Here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. People from all over the country helped us with our annual Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Shoes and Socks for Homeless Veterans. There was a time this summer where we believed that probably it wouldn't be successful because of the pandemic, but decided to go ahead and do it anyway. We reached out in the local community and on the various radio shows that I'm on, asked for their support. In a little over three weeks, we received 400 pairs of shoes and over 1,000 pairs of socks for homeless veterans so they can go out and look for a job and have a decent pair of shoes to wear. We at Songs and Stories for Soldiers and all the 400-plus soldiers who will receive these shoes and socks say thank you for your generosity. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! Thunderdome's simple. Get to the weapons, use them any way you can. I know you won't break the rules. There aren't any. And Thunderdome is the same rules that we have to follow if we want to win this battle. Uh, Ron, before we jump back into things, let me take this opportunity because otherwise we'll run long. You won't have a fair opportunity, so let's do it now. Please let everybody know where they can find you at, sir. Well, please tune in on Sunday through Friday um, on Mojo Five O. And you can find that uh, easily. And, uh, of course, you can tune in at 3 p.m. Sundays through Fridays. And you'll be listening to the Ron Edwards American Experience. And uh, we have a good time over there. And uh, the show is actually growing. And uh, when you tune in, if you like it, let your friends know. uh, Spread the good word. And uh, as we continue to blow away the myths and to reveal the truth. Also, you can catch my weekly columns at News with Views in America Out Loud. And also, the Edwards Notebook is heard on many, many, many stations throughout the land, uh, overnights during Captain's America Third Watch, as uh, well as uh, numerous independent stations, as well as Internet outlets, including uh, Star Talk Radio. Uh, that's about it, uh, Tim. There's more, but uh, I'll just stop there. All right. Well, let me remind everybody to uh, spend a moment or two uh, visiting your website uh, over at Z Ron Edwards. Uh, dot com. 
uh, where you can find all this stuff uh, very neatly curated along with some of the guiding principles like the seven pillars of society and, and all these other wonderful things that you've been doing for a very long time, including announcements about upcoming events and all that wonderful stuff. Keep track of this man. He is a patriot, and he is fighting for every last one of you. I promise you that. Uh, Ron, uh, you were talking about the, the businesses at this point. Now, for the longest time, I, I kept trying to figure out why we saw this trend uh, towards businesses uh, moving in a political event and moving to the left in ways that were actually uh, antithetical to good business practices uh, like alienating roughly half of your customers, for example. And I had kind of decided that the only thing that was really making sense is that we had moved to a point in time where a majority of the CEOs had been through college after these colleges and universities have moved away from uh, institutions of higher learning and become nothing more than indoctrination uh, locations, and that they were just so deeply indoctrinated they no longer understood what fiduciary responsibility really was, and they thought they had a, a bigger role to play in the world than just you know doing good business. But I'm really starting to think that some of the aspects of this great reset may actually have more to do with it than anything else because they have this new uh, credit rating that is heavily dependent on how woke you appear to be. There is a major aspect of this, and we're already seeing this in play with some of the investment firms. They're already giving you these ratings, and they're already trying to convince people to move their investment dollars away from some of these companies uh, depending on what kind of business they're in, how woke they appear to be. Uh, I would imagine folks like uh, American Airlines and uh, Coca-Cola have probably just been cashing in on these woke points, and it seems to be as part of the reset, these folks – if you don't have a sufficient enough woke score rating, uh, which is not their actual terminology, but it's exactly what it is, so I'm putting it in that way, they're not going to be able to get the loans. They're not going to be able to get the capital for reinvesting and for growing their business. It's going to become a choke point, much like we saw Obama try to do for a lot of uh, firearms manufacturers back during his term uh, where they just tried to crush a certain people's ability to do business by not allowing you to accept payments through certain credit cards or even PayPal. Uh, I'm curious if you have seen this or if you think this is part of what's at play, maybe my earlier theory about how woke some of them may be, or is this just plain and simple uh, globalist leftists that are uh, interfering and picking winners and losers by threatening these folks and their ability to continue to do business if they don't play the game? It's both. It's both. And um, uh, uh, there's a third leg to this. Most of the CEOs that are running the, mar the major corporations of today don't give a damn about America. They don't have a sense of loyalty. I didn't say all. I said most. And they're more loyal to China, Major League Baseball. They are so falsely, you know, this fake uh, upset with Georgia calling that non-oppressive uh, voting rights bill oppressive, yet they turn around and do business with a company called Tencent in, in China in a nation that truly oppresses people, including one of the left's favorite groups, Muslims. 
Now, you know, they don't talk about it very much. They also oppress a lot of, of uh, Christians over there in China, 300 million Christians in China, by the way. So it's all about a philosophical base. Most of your CEOs, like I say, don't give a damn about America, and they are leftist. They don't care about black people like they pretend to. It's all about the woke uh, leftist globalist culture, and they're trying to decimate liberty by destroying any last vestiges of Christian thought, which, by the way, is the bedrock of liberty. That's where liberty came from. If you don't believe me, look at the readings of Blackstone and many of your founding fathers who attribute the thought processes of liberty and freedom uh, coming from the bedrock of Christianity. And they warned us that if we do not remain a Christian-oriented nation with high morality, we would end up in slavery. And as we have allowed the leftist pigs to eat away, to just gobble up and spew away uh, the Christian elements out of our society, we have become less free because we have become less wise as a people and less uh, strong in our resolve to hold on to what we have and are supposed to hold dear, uh, such as liberty and truth and things of that nature and creating a better land for our offspring than we grew up in, and so on and so on. And we've lost that, and we've allowed it to be eaten away by the leftist. And um, once you eat away that, you are automatically going to go into slavery. So unless there is a miraculous uprising of we the people, um, you know, we did enough praying. We did, we all, millions of us, I mean many millions up to a billion or more around the world. We did all the praying that we could do. Uh, it's time for we the people to take action. And whatever that is, that's up to you. I'm not, I'm not specifying because I don't want to be accused of anything. But we do have to take some kind of action because <clears throat> the other side is they are. And if we sit back and do nothing, if we're not willing to stand for liberty, we will fall and it will be our fault. If it is to be, it is up to us. I have learned that the hard way, um, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you made that distinction, sir, because as you well know, that if we were a so-called progressive uh, talk show, I literally could be calling for you to burn down the buildings all over every major city. <laughs> and, and I'm just expressing an opinion. But because we're conservative, uh, you saying uh, go write an op-ed and try to get it uh, uh, printed somewhere. You get behind a microphone, get in front of a camera, express yourself on a, a media platform that – it, it, just doing that, well, all those are acts of violence, sir. You're leading an insurrection against our democracy, which, by the way, we don't have a democracy. We've never had a democracy, and if we ever did have a democracy, uh, well, it would be just as bad as what we're seeing going on now, <laughs> only probably a little worse. Uh, I, yeah. So again, I appreciate uh, and fully understand your uh, quick chase. Now, uh, speaking of threatening to burn everything down, obviously I can't let you go today without at least discussing a little bit about the latest with the Derek Chauvin trial. Uh, clearly, uh, from the very beginning, this was going to be an uphill climb uh, for the prosecution to make anything stick because they were trying to overcharge him, and I think so that they could literally throw everything at him to try to get something to work. And they don't have much of a case on anything they've charged him with, not by the letter of the law. 
Uh, now, clearly, if all you've done is watch that eight minutes of edited footage that's the worst part of the video, you probably feel like Derek Chauvin should be in jail. I know this because I felt that way. When that first happened and I hadn't seen the full 45-plus minutes, everything that had been going on, uh, I suddenly I changed my mind about – what was actually going on? Because now, having seen all that, I think Derek Chauvin uh, held that position rather than some other position because he felt like he had to have his head on a swivel because there was some threatening actions and calls from the crowd that was surrounding them too. They needed to be prepared to move quickly for their own protection. Now, again, it's a terrible look, and the man shouldn't have lost his life that day. I, I've never said anything other than that, but – Chances are the man most likely lost his life because as testimony came out today, uh, he said himself he thought he had taken too many drugs as part of their conversation. So the prosecution's done a horrible job. They haven't even come close to try and present their case. Uh, the first several days was nothing more than, oh, well, uh, he should go to jail because I can't sleep at night after calling the cops because I, I – couldn't make up that $20 bill, or or I watched from a, uh, over top of a car and from uh, looking over somebody's shoulder, and, and now I can't I can't walk down that street. But I, uh, somebody had a feeling somebody's supposed to go to jail for that, and, and now they're getting into the technicalities, and uh, they've had other police officers. They literally had one of the prosecution witnesses uh, get cross-examined, and the defense liked them so much. They then initially uh, immediately moved to make him available for recalling as a defense witness. This is how bad the state's doing with this. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I think I watched 90 seconds of one day of the trial, and so I have not been keeping up with it to such detail because I knew beforehand that uh, there was a lot – that needed to come out, and I'm glad to hear you say that it has come out. And so hopefully, because the details that we knew, some of us knew about has gotten out, that the ruling will come out the way it should and that there will be preparations to put down those who may want to start riots and things of that nature. And maybe that can be a tipping point. Where people start also fighting back, and you know, and, and the opinions start changing even more drastically against Antifa and Black Lives Matter and uh, gang members who join in in the fracas, just to burn all oh, mostly black businesses down, like they did when they did it did that in uh, Minneapolis and Minnesota. So um, glad to hear, sir, that uh, the details came out. Uh, I admit I haven't been watching it because I it just made me nauseous. Because I, I was fearful that it wasn't going to come out. Well, I mean the, the problem is almost nobody is really paying attention to the trial. They're paying attention to the media coverage. And as you well know, sir, the legacy mainstream media, they want to tell the narrative. Uh, journalism has been gone for a long time. These people aren't <laughs> journalists. They're activists. Uh, they're really good at being activists. And if your only source of information would CNN or MSNBC or CBS or NBC News, then you're not hearing any of that, yeah, not a true. bit of it. That's In true. fact, 
I used to get really aggravated. I, I used to spend a lot of time, Ron, uh, trying to find stories that nobody was talking about so I could talk about those things because I thought everything's being talked to death because I was only listening to a lot of the shows that generally were within the conservative echo chamber. I was trying to see what's going on here and what are they talking about so I'd know to talk about something else. But as I've started listening to more coverage uh, outside of the echo chamber, and I've I've always tried a little bit, but I try a lot harder now to get a larger berth, I come to realize that the reason these stories are being talked about by so many conservative outlets is because we are all struggling to get that one little bit of information out to the general public, and we're all hoping that, okay, maybe you listen to the Blaze Network, uh, but you don't listen to the Daily Wire. Maybe you uh, uh, read the Daily Caller, but uh, you don't go anywhere near uh, Breitbart News, or maybe uh, – Praise the Lord if it's possible. Maybe you listen to Tap into the Truth, but you're not listening uh, to Southern Sense or the Ron Edwards American Experience, and heaven help them if they aren't. They're missing some great shows. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the point is that we're desperate to try and get that information out to somebody who's not hearing it literally anywhere else. Yeah, that's true. That is very true um, because – a lot of the information, <clears throat> excuse me, that isn't getting out to other people, uh, the truth is what they need. Um, just like CBS, what they tried to do, for example, with uh, Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Uh, my God, the way they did that, um, and uh, you know, the public's controversy down there. You've got this guy, uh, Conehead, Rick Scott, declining to even defend DeSantis. During a Fox News interview. Now, to me, in my opinion, oh, I saw that interview, and I, you know, as many people have seen the full interview, and DeSantis did honestly lay it out cleanly and with much detail, and there was nothing about the kind of setup that CBS tried to portray. And then you have this rhino, probably a China boy, probably another China concubine, uh, Senator Rick Scott, declining to even defend DeSantis. He doesn't like DeSantis. He doesn't like Trump, uh, which tells me something. So watch out for that guy. He needs to be primaried out. Um, but shows like yours, mine, and, and, and many others, we need to just keep digging for the truth, keep finding ways to expand our – Metron, our shows, and so that we can replace. I, I really believe that we should grow big and replace these dinosaurs. That, that, see, that's why we need a, a large opportunistic-based economy so that we can have a shot at growth and, um, and compete with those big liars and defeat them with the truth ultimately. And that's why they're pushing so hard to crush that economy and to try to make sure yep. – that outlets like ours have limited opportunity because they know that the truth resonates, Ron. I mean, uh, whether you agree with every one of my opinions or not, whether you agree with every one of your opinions, uh, whether we're looking at Chief who's hanging out in the chat room with us today, uh, whether you uh, sit back and uh, cackle at everything that uh, Cajun uh, is saying when he's uh, off air and uh, – you know, just being Cajun, uh, or if you would be terribly offended by it. Uh, ultimately, 
if somebody is honest and is bringing you the truth, that rings true. You feel it. And sadly, there is so little truth available because rather than having legitimate journalists and rather than having uh, legacy media that still cares about the standards they once held themselves to, all you have now are activists that want to control the narrative, uh, that want to bury the facts that don't support that narrative. Yep. They want to control what you're talking about. Uh, how much coverage did these two teenage girls in New York get when they oh. tried to steal uh, the Uber Eats driver's car and ended up killing him? Uh, how much have you heard about uh, the reports uh, from just uh, either yesterday or the day before uh, this young toddler in Chicago who was murdered on the streets, got it caught in the crossfire, uh, and again, because it was black-on-black violence, nah, no, it's a local story, and the media doesn't care. They they really wanted to run with this uh, Georgia shooting story because it was a crazy white boy running around killing Asian folk until more information came out, and it turned out he really was crazy. Uh, Asians wasn't the topic. Uh, he had some deep issues, yeah, and again – Every time we saw the, the shooting in Colorado where the guy was a Muslim and targeted a kosher grocery store, how many places did you have to go, Ron, before you even found out that that was a kosher grocery and that maybe Islam played a bigger role in it than I'm a crazy white guy just trying to shoot people? <laughs> and see, here's the thing. We, get, we need to get back to um, – we need to get away from – it's not what's done, but who does it. But we need to get back to the principle of, okay, you committed this crime. Now you have to pay the time or your life if you committed murder. And that's what it should be about. Um, they shouldn't care unless you are defending yourself to keep yourself from being bumped off. They should not care your motivation for going in and killing someone. They should use old Sparky to give – to uh, dispense justice or stretch your neck or give you a shot and bump you off that way. If you rape a child, I think you should be, I don't know, decapitated. If you do anything like that, abuse elderly citizens and kill them, you should give up your life. You should be beaten to death with a sledgehammer. I don't care. I really don't care, and I really mean what I just said because we have allowed the ruthless knuckle-draggers to have so much command in our border area and many of our cities. You should hear some of the – you should listen to some of the police blotters um, overnight. I've cruised with police officers overnight. And the things, man, you think you hear bad stories? Uh-uh. You talk about gruesome stuff, movie gruesome stuff, Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff, level stuff, gruesome, crazy stuff that, that would only, uh, you would think, go in the, in the mind, be out of the mind of a Tom Clancy or something. But it's real every day. And yet they don't report these things because it's mostly done by a certain ethnicity um, of a darker hue, and they don't want to talk about it. And the black people don't want to get their own act together. And then at the same time, see, they're putting a hurt on our country. 
if the crime rate before all this craziness started in Seattle years ago, the, the, I think the black population in Seattle was 11 percent, and the FBI was was kind of acting like the, the real FBI back then, and they said that if you were to eliminate the black on black crime in Seattle and black on black on other people crime in Seattle during those years, Seattle would have had a lower crime rate than the very peaceful and beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. And that used to be that used to be the case in many American cities that if you just eliminate the crime activities of one particular ethnicity, whether it's in New York, Cleveland, Aurora, Colorado, Racine, Wisconsin, Atlanta, or half most half the city in that case, um, Washington D.C. or almost the whole city. But if you eliminate these the crime statistics of these particular group of this particular group, America, by the way, would have one of the lowest crime rates of any nation on earth. If you just eliminate the black on black crime, which proves my point that I made earlier, how damaged minds of black Americans have uh, have become due to the systematic programmed indoctrination system in the United States coupled with political um, instigation and bitterness. You couple that, de-escalate intellectual development, magnify bitterness, take away morality, and at the same time, have them thinking, nobody knows the troubles I feel. See, nobody knows but Jesus. Piss them off, and you have a powder keg human being walking around. <clears throat> don't know nothing they got and got that mixed up. The only thing they know is almost, I'm, I'm just going to mess somebody up. <laughs> and they do. Well, it sounds like one big old recipe for wackiness, Ron. I, I hate to just cut you off because I had a feeling we were about to get on a world-class rant and be great. But we're out of time, sir. Uh, my first hour is coming to an end. So as oh, always, man. thank you so much for joining us. It's always the fastest hour I have all week, and I look forward to getting back together with you again next Wednesday, uh, assuming that the stars align and we have that opportunity. Nobody knows is the troubles I see. Okay, we'll see you next week. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. God bless you. God bless the audience. Thank you for putting up with me. Uh, I, I'm just getting so sick of the left. I, I, I don't, you know, it's just getting ridiculous, Tim. I I understand. I'm right there, brother. All right, you take care of yourself, and we'll get God bless you. Next week. God bless Bye you. Bye now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is, of course, Mr. Ron Edwards. He's the purveyor of the Edwards Notebooks. He is the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience, and he's one hell of a patriot. Uh, for those of you that are listening on terrestrial radio, you're getting to hear the rebroadcast. And uh, on most of the stations that rebroadcast this show, you get me in one-hour increments. So if you're here live, if you're hanging out in the chat room, whatever, don't go anywhere. Hour number two will start right after this. But for those of you listening on radio, I do have to say goodbye for now. So remember, uh, you know… Uh, put in a little effort. Be prepared. It, it takes a little work, but uh, it's very important that you do your own homework because I don't want you to take my word for it. I definitely don't want you to take their word for it. I do want you to use your brain if you really <laughs> want to tap into the truth.
smell the dust, feel the sun, fingers twitch just above the gun, hear the wind cross the plain, there is no fear that I must contain, and I'm in the eye of the See the sweat across his brow. I'm poised to draw in eternal now. The fastest one is the one who's slain. I still stand, got the better aim. And I'm in the eye of the Into the truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Hey, hey, Cajun, don't you be jumping out of my chat room. You, you don't get to come here and just listen to Ron and leave. That is not allowed. Oh, okay. I mean, it's dinner time for you. All right. Obviously, uh, 
if you're a regular listener, you're probably saying, hey, that's not the usual intro song for the, the show. And you'd be right. Uh, I went a little long back in the first hour uh, with Ron. It's hard not to. <laughs> and I personally – I wish – I wish we could have just kept going uninterrupted, but due to the fact that on terrestrial radio, the rebroadcast is usually for most of the stations that carry this, uh, they break it up into one-hour increments. So with that in mind, I do have to do it. But because I was so late starting that particular song, I decided to just let it play, let it be the intro to the second hour, as well as the three seconds worth of uh, time for the outgoing. Now, another great song. I didn't leave, Tim. I'm still here just grabbing dinner. <laughs> okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, so another great song from uh, Matt Fitzgibbons. Uh, please uh, go visit patriotmusic.com whenever you get a chance. And if you're there checking out all the great projects that Matt does, uh, be sure to let him know that I sent you, especially if you decide to uh, make a purchase or two while you're over there. It will not get you a discount of any kind. I just like for him to know I'm still sending people his way. He's been really nice to me. Uh, he's been a great uh, guest on the show in the past. He's been a good friend of the show, and he's super awesome to let me use some of his tunes. Uh, and getting that uh, express permission uh, is really a big deal, especially from an artist as good as he is. He's a great historian. He's a fantastic musician, and uh, he's a hell of a guy. Um, what else can I say? So uh, uh, patriotmusic.com, go visit him, check him out, and uh, yeah, even if you don't buy anything, uh, you can leave him a message over there. Let Matt know that I sent you over there and, you know, what you think about the site. All right. Let me give a shout out to the folks hanging out with me in the chat room. They're already here. We got Crazy Cajun. He is a tremendous, tremendous producer. And uh, he's done a lot of uh, work with me in the past, helping to make sure that everything that uh, transpired back when WCET was uh, going strong, made sure that we got to do the live broadcast over there as we would simulcast. He's a fantastic guy. He's doing a lot of work with Ron uh, Edwards right now. Uh, he's a man who knows his stuff, and uh, he's a heck of a guy too, quite honestly. So thanks for being here. We got Chief hanging out. He's, of course, the host of a great show called Simple Facts of Life. If you are so inclined, uh, you can find him at blogtalkradio.com. You'll see a little search bar at the top. Uh, quickest, easiest way would be to put QMCUSN in there. And, of course, if you know anything about the Navy, that probably makes a whole lot of sense to you. If not, however, uh, if you happen to be listening on the uh, radio by now, I don't have easy access, uh, not listening to the podcast, not listening uh, live direct in one of the other fashions, uh, then if you're trying to go back later and remember it, just put in simple facts of life. It'll scroll down a little bit, but you'll know it when you get there. You can usually join him live on Tuesdays. He starts at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you, of course, can... Uh, you can adjust to your time zone accordingly. I have that kind of faith in you. And uh, yeah, he's got a great show. Uh, we also have uh, somebody we uh, haven't seen very often uh, in the chat room. I think we've seen him in here a couple of times uh, randomly. But uh, Sarge1C, uh, glad to have you in here. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Popped in uh, somewhere around halfway, a little bit later than halfway in the first hour. Uh, glad to have you here. And Flycatch just jumped in, so uh, glad to see you back uh, here, Flycatch. It's been a little while since we've seen you. Welcome back into the chat room. Uh, so that's where we're at at the start 
of hour number two. Now, for those of you that are listening uh, via terrestrial radio, some of this stuff may sound a little dated by the time you hear it. So that you know when I said these things, uh, the time of the live broadcast, of course, is April 7th. It's 2021, and at this moment, it's a few brief moments after 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, with all that said, uh, again, I would like to uh, give a shout-out to uh, to Miss Mary Brockman. Uh, heaven gained another angel. Uh, she passed away yesterday. Uh, I gave a brief uh, uh, thanks and uh to her back at the very top of the first hour, uh, I I can't possibly adequately express, not with words, uh, how much she meant to me personally and somebody that I would have never met if it wasn't because of the social aspect that is part of the blog talk radio uh, format. So uh, with all my complaints about BTR's technical issues and all my – uh, whining that I tend to do on occasion. Uh, I have a lot of things to be very thankful and grateful for, uh, thanks to BTR as well. And Mary Brockman was definitely one of those. Uh, Mary, rest in peace. You have earned it. You will be missed, and you are forever loved. All right, let's let's get into some meat and potatoes and some stuff going on. In case you have not yet heard, Mr. Joseph Robinette Biden uh, is planning on. Uh, making an announcement about some executive actions. Uh, he's going to be doing that tomorrow. Again, remember the time of the live broadcast. It's a Wednesday evening, and he's planning on doing this on a Thursday of the week. Uh, it should be on April the 8th, the expectation is. But the current regime leader, the the first part of Operation Pee Pads and Knee Pads, my affectionate name for the Biden-Harris administration, uh, Joe Biden will unveil his long-awaited executive actions on guns uh, on uh, the 8th. And it will reportedly, based on early leaks, include a ban on the so-called very scary, because of the name, ghost guns. Uh, these, of course, are makeshift, and in a lot of cases, uh, these are 3D-printed firearms. Now, they're ghost guns because they don't have serial numbers. They don't have ways to trace them. Um, you know, 3D printing has improved a lot. I don't say that, but I've had discussions with people who are experts in the field, and to refer to 3D-printed uh, ghost guns uh, – 3D-printed guns as ghost guns – is another ploy by the left, but uh, I'm really curious as to exactly how it is that these folks think they're going to be able to enforce this law. I'm sure it's more to the point they're uh, going to be an extra charge of opportunity uh, when it comes to that. It's like, oh, well, we were here because you were doing this, but guess what we found? You with your 3D printer, look what you're doing. It's a very scary ghost gun. Uh, yeah, uh, and that very scary AR-15 over there because it looks like a weapon of war, uh, also very scary to the left. Ultimately, what really scares the uh, leftist in this case is the idea of an armed populace. They need you to be disarmed because if all you have are stones to throw at these people as they uh, continue their march to socialist uh, destruction of our republic – then, of course, you're at a distinct disadvantage. 
the very reason why the founders of this country, the very reason why the framers of the Constitution felt it necessary to list your right to own not just own, but to have on your person a firearm. That's what bear means, by the way, if you're reading uh, the uh, Second Amendment. Uh, can't infringe your right to own and bear uh, arms. They, the founders, the framers of the Constitution, they understood that the government needs to have a healthy dose of concern about what the people might do if they go a step too far into the realm of tyranny. Fortunately, for the gradual incrementalness and the patience of the left, they've been able to, to sneak the whole damn camel under the tent. Very slowly, they, they just started by walking the camel towards the tent. Then they got the camel's nose under the tent a few years back as they're still moving. So most people have been asleep at the wheel, and now rather than at the first sign of tyranny, we put our foot down and stop them. We've let them almost enslave us at this point. We are nearly to that point, and we are at a crisis point. There's, there's no question about it. It's not too late to save the republic, to restore the republic, to being an actual republic instead of a corporation as it's been operated as for a while now. Uh, it's not too late to put the Constitution front and center as the guiding North Star, the Polaris of where our federal government can operate and where it should be led to. It's not too late to do those things. And some of the pushback that we're seeing from some of these actions as the uber-woke continues to force their wokiness upon us, uh, it gives me hope that maybe we'll get there. But I fear people aren't waking up fast enough to push back against the very, well, breathtakingly fast quickness at which the left is moving right now. Now, back to the story about Biden's executive order. It's not real clear whether Biden is expected to, to take any further action on assault weapons. But given the limitations of the executive order function, or at least what used to be the limitations on it, and of course concerns that a unilateral ban would simply invite further constitutional litigation, uh, even though Democrats have been demanding Biden take on assault weapons without consulting Congress. That has been the demand. Uh, it's probably not going to go that far. He's, it's kind of a test run, I think. He wants to see – well, I, it's not him. Uh, let's, be, let's be fair about it. It's not Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the front man. He's a, he's a placekeeper. He's a warm body who's supposed to be barely sentient, who can take the blame for everything when the heat comes on. But uh, – the, the folks on the left who want this done, they're, they're just seeing what the reaction is going to be. They're going to see how far they think they can push it. It's, it's basically a, uh, a poll. It's basically a focused market testing. That's <laughs> really what it is. Uh, quoting here uh, from Politico, uh, President Joe Biden is expected to unveil the long-awaited package of executive actions to curb gun violence. At the White House, according to four people familiar with the plan. Now, isn't it great? They've managed to get four anonymous sources instead of the usual one anonymous source. 
I, I still remember once upon a time when journalistic standards required three trusted sources, and at least one of them needed to be willing to go on the record before you would run with a story. You know, it's like, okay, this is a great story. We 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 we've got to be the one to break this. It's like you don't have a breaking news story yet. You've got a rumor. Sell your tabloid reporting to the Inquirer. That that used to be the standard. We don't see that anywhere anymore, do we? All right. So four people, five people. I'm suddenly stuttering. It must be a Biden thing. <laughs> four people familiar with the plan. Now, Biden uh, – back to quoting, by the way – Biden will direct the administration to begin the process of requiring buyers of so-called ghost guns uh, – these, of course, homemade or makeshift firearms that lack serial numbers – to undergo background checks, according to three people who have spoken to the White House about the plan. He's expected to be joined at the event by Attorney General Merrick Garland. You know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's worse. Actually, would it have been worse for Merrick Garland to have had the opportunity to sit on the Supreme Court right now, or is it worse the damage that he can he can do as Attorney General of the United States for at least the next two years? Well, the majority of two years. I. I mean, I don't think he's going to be asked to resign when uh, Kamala takes over, whatever point in time that happens to be. But a lot of damage can be done from that attorney general spot just in the selection of what you choose to pursue in <clears throat> the name of justice. All right, anyway, more than 100 Democrats – signed a letter last week demanding that Joe Biden take executive action on so-called assault weapons. I kind of touched on that earlier. Uh, they want action taken on assault weapons that are concealable. Uh, that seems vague. I'm sure that's intentional. You should also be certain that that is intentional because it is. They, they want to vague this up as much as possible because they want – once they have it in place, they can throw literally any kind of firearm under here that they want. All firearms are assault weapons in the minds of the left, and uh, you know I could uh, be driving around uh, an Abrams tank, and because I can hide behind a tree somewhere – well, a line of trees, <laughs> especially if you have poor eyesight – because I can hide – that tank that is still a concealable weapon, assault weapon. Uh, anyway, in the process of this so-called assault weapons and so-called concealable, they're citing a gun control law that was authored to regulate the sale of machine guns initially way back in the mid-1930s. And then it was updated a few decades later to kind of keep up with technology. Now, this group of more than 100 Democrats argue that the measure allows Biden to move on banning such firearms without the approval or input of Congress, which is so evenly split. It's unlikely, very unlikely, that any assault weapons ban could pass. There's a small possibility that 
one or two Democrats, especially in kind of purplish districts, might even peel off in the Senate, and, and it wouldn't even come down to a tie-breaking vote. It wouldn't even come down to the Republicans utilizing the filibuster. There's, there is that possibility. So that's a big reason why I doubt that they will take that step. But I would like to comment just ever so briefly on that more than 100 Democrats who want to see that happen. They do not care about the Constitution. They want to see the Constitution dismantled. They want to see the American public disarmed, and they want to see you helpless before their whims, period. These are dangerous people, and they do not belong at the levers of power. And if you, as the American public, if you happen to be a leftist who accidentally came across this show and you happen to be listening for whatever reason, if you don't realize the innate danger to your liberty that each one of these little movements makes, every one of these little steps, every attempt to grab extra constitutional authority by the federal government at any level, if you don't understand the threat to your liberty that these things represent… That you don't deserve freedom. You don't understand liberty. If you're more concerned about tearing down a Confederate statue than you are about the fact that Joe Biden is going to take executive action to try and limit your ability to own a firearm, then you're on the wrong side, period. Because number one, you're making it easier while you're tearing down that uh, statue of Abraham Lincoln, while you're tearing down that statue of Christopher Columbus. You're making it easier for these folks, these people with the agenda of destroying our republic. You're making it easier for them to wipe out any and all knowledge of our shared history, making it easy for them to wipe out… Your ability to see where we started from, how we started the march to equality, not, not equity. That's, that's not the right word. In fact, if you hear somebody using the word equity, you should run from them because they're trying to scam you. We, the United States of America, began the march to true equality a long time ago. We set that bar for the world, and we haven't got all the way to that finish line yet, but if you can't see for yourself how far we've come, if you can't see for yourself that shared history we have <coughs> as we've taken each and every step forward, then you are at a disadvantage, and these folks want it that way. Don't let them disarm you. As a law-abiding citizen. Now, if you're a criminal, that's a whole different ballgame. Uh, don't be a criminal. Okay, that's, that's really one of the few rules I have as far as can I get along with you? Don't be a criminal. If you're not a criminal, we're probably going to be okay. I can disagree with you just about, just about everything, but if I can find one thing that we're cool about, I can get along with you as long as you're not a criminal. So just don't be a criminal. We'll be all right. <sighs> I, I'm just 
please keep in mind uh, this whole woke cancel culture. No, cancel culture. We need to just call it what it is. It's fascism, plain and simple. Antifa, Antifa, however you choose to pronounce it, Antifa, Fafa. Uh, they are fascist, and they're trying to use fascist techniques. There's no doubt about that. But the whole woke thing is really nothing more than a temper tantrum. And I seem to recall in our country's history, we used to, as parents, we understood how best to deal with a temper tantrum when one of our children are having one. Uh, now, sometimes we'd get agitated and we would punish them, but the best, easiest, fastest way to break children from throwing temper tantrums is to just don't give in. In fact, ignore it as best you can. Do your best to pretend like you're ignoring them completely, and eventually they'll realize, ah, so this doesn't work. Then that would come to an end. The problem is with woke culture, too many people have given it. We haven't treated this like the temper tantrum it is, and now it's become a problem. We had a spoiled brat grow up to become a ridiculously spoiled brat adult, who now it may be too late to deprogram. But I assure you, if we go back and treat these tantrums like we should have from the beginning, we'll still get better results. All right, let me take that mid-hour break, and uh, on the other side, I've got at least two stories that I really wanted to get to, and obviously I spent more time talking about that one than I meant to. I got on a roll. Forgive me. Stay where you're at. I'll be right back after this very brief break. The founder of the world-renowned Hilton Hotel chain, Conrad Hilton, who lived from 1887 till 1979, published a heartfelt prayer on full-page magazine ads in 1952. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, Mr. Hilton's prayer goes as follows. Quote, Our Father in heaven, we pray you save us from ourselves. The world that you made for us to live in peace, we have made into an armed camp. We live in fear of war to come. We are afraid of the terror that flies by night and the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that walks in darkness, and the destruction that wastes at noonday. We have turned from you to go our selfish way. We have broken your commandments and denied your truth. We have left your altars to serve false gods of money, pleasure, and power. Forgive us and help us. Now darkness gathers around us, and we are confused in all our counsels. Losing faith in you, we lose faith in ourselves. Be swift to save us, dear God, before darkness falls. Unquote. Let us today seek forgiveness for allowing the leftist darkness now permeating our entire republic, and may we, the people, quickly regain the will to defeat the darkness so that America will be great again. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Are you looking for a job because you got laid off because of the coronavirus? Most veterans think that the GI Bill can only be used for college, but that's not true. It can also be used for retraining programs. So if you're out of work and looking for a new career, go to the VA.gov and look at the GI Bill benefits. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. 
not this simpler? Is this not your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. There was once upon a, a time that to be a Republican in this area of the country felt a little bit, by, a bit like being Gary Cooper in high noon, out, outnumbered in a big way. But I remember the story of a fellow who was running for office as a Republican and he was in a rural area and it wasn't known to be Republican and he stopped by a farm to do some campaigning and when the farmer heard he was a Republican his jaw dropped and he said wait right here till I go get Ma she's never seen a Republican before <laughs> so he got her and the candidate looked around for a podium from which to give his speech and the only thing he could find was a pile of that stuff that Bess Truman took 35 years trying to get Harry to call fertilizer. <laughs> so he got up on the mound and when they came back he gave his speech. And at the end of it the farmer said, that's the first time I ever heard a Republican speech. And the candidate said, that's the first time I've ever given a Republican speech from a Democratic platform. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I... I, of course, started out that little uh, bit there with uh, uh, a speech from uh, Joe Biden uh, back when he was much younger. It sounds a little like Loki from the Avengers movie for some strange reason, but it, it, you know Biden's never written an original speech anyway, a bunch of plagiarism, so uh, I took some creative license. Uh, but uh, I had to follow that up with uh, Ronald Reagan uh, demonstrating once again both wit and intelligence, uh, something that – is in short supply in certain circles and is the key to winning the culture war. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have told the story many times if you're a long-time listener, especially a super long-time listener, uh, you are aware that I kind of started out focusing on policy and discussing the in and outs and trying to make sure you had all the information. And then over time, I moved more and more to the culture stuff because – as we all have come to know, I, I'm not the first person to point this out, not by a long line, so I'm not trying to play it off like it's my wisdom. But uh, culture is uh, it's upstream from politics, and everything that happens in politics, when we see things like the gun grabbing and the efforts to nationalize elections and you know all the crazy crap that the uh, leftists are trying to push right now, that's all a result of the culture war. Uh, if we don't get back into fighting the culture war and start winning that culture war, we're doomed as a people anyway, so let's get back to it. Uh, speaking of fighting a culture war, uh, have you seen this little bit of news from America Airlines? Because I, I'm, I'm not sure if this is an effort for them to convince people to stop using them or what, but they've literally changed the qualifications to become a pilot for United Airlines uh, because now, uh, because they've decided that they need 
to have at least half of their pilots better represent the American public in general. Uh, they need to have 50% of their pilots. Uh, they're expecting somewhere around uh, 5,000 uh, within the next 10 years uh, where they start training them. Uh, they're going to have to be either women or people of color. Now, if you happen to be both, cha-ching, awesome. That really, the woke culture, the virtue signal has arrived. Now, I don't have a problem if they feel like they've carried on some atrocity by freezing out people that were qualified. It's like, well, you know, you're a really good pilot, but you're a woman, so no. You're a great pilot, but you're Hispanic, and you know, our passengers wouldn't be comfortable with that. They'd all be thinking you're going to hijack the plane and go to Cuba because you're from Cuba. You know, if they were engaged in something like that, then okay. But how about you just change the policy so that you allow qualified people regardless of what skin tone they have and regardless of what reproductive organs they may or may not have. Uh, well, actually, you know what? I guess that's not even a qualification anymore for being a woman, right? I mean if you're an uber leftist, if we're going to continue to let them win the culture war, then you don't have to have a vagina to be a woman. Uh, you just have to identify. So, you know… Anyway, this week United Airlines announced that they will be working to increase the number of women and the people of color who become pilots. They're setting a goal for 50% of the 5,000 pilots trained in the next decade. Now, I like the fact that they seem to think they're only going to need to train 5,000 pilots in the next 10 years. I mean, how do you know that? I uh, is there a way that you know for sure that over the course of the next 10 years, that's exactly how many new pilots we're going to need? I mean um, the airline industry's had its ups and downs. They're in a pretty decent position among major airline carriers. I get that. Uh, they are probably going to face some backlash for their other woke PC crap stuff they've been doing recently, but I would tend to think that… There's a good chance they may not need 5,000 in the next decade. Uh, I would also tend to think, given the number of flights that are operating every day, uh, there's a good chance that should people retire, move on, some come in and wash out, especially if you're going to be lowering the bar for some of these people because you want them to look a certain way as opposed to just looking at who's best qualified, uh, there's a really good chance you may need to be training a lot more than 5,000 over the next 10 years. I mean it's, it feels a lot like a, a federal budget uh, – <laughs> government or budget. Well, we're going to establish a new tax for the next 12 years to pay for a program that uh, uh, we're going to uh, – cost this much over the next eight years, but isn't going to go away, and we're just going to add on to it. You know. At any rate, the airline, of course, made this announcement on Twitter because that's where all things that are newsworthy happens. Uh, how badly our culture has fallen that Twitter is that place. Uh, saying, quote, our flight deck should reflect the diverse group of people on board our planes every day. 
That's why we plan for 50% of the 5,000 pilots we train in the next decade to be women or people of color. So again, okay. Uh, cool. Good for you. What's what's the point? I mean, because obviously it's pretty ridiculous, right? Uh, when you're flying in a big metal tube hurtling through the air in speeds in excess of 500 miles per hour, uh, anywhere from 35,000 feet or in between uh, over the fruited plains, because, you know, that's as close as some lefties are going to get to fly over country. The very last thing that should be on anybody's mind is what color is the pilot? Does the pilot pilot have male or female genitalia? I mean I I really want to know. I mean affirmative action generally comes with the concern that standards are intentionally adjusted to fit various quotas. And rightfully so, because the history of affirmative action is that that is what happens, right? I mean, we've seen it over and over again. It's like, well, <laughs> we've got we've got five positions that we have to fill with a person of color. I've got three persons of color that actually are qualified to do the job. Now, so they're a shoe in. We're going to hire them. They're good. But I've got to get two more. Now, I've got some really good white male candidates over here that are super qualified. In fact, they're the best candidates we have for this position. But I have have to hire someone of color for this position. So even though you'd be the, the best hire for this, sorry. Now, we've seen it. It's since affirmative action has been a thing. It's happened over and over again. They have to lower the standards to meet the bars, and that's wrong. Now, and that's not to say that people of color are inferior. It's to say that we have seen cases where when you prioritize color or gender, you end up shortchanging who the best possible candidates are. That's all. Now, if you're a perfectly qualified candidate, good for you. I don't have a problem. I assure you when I'm uh, taking a flight somewhere, which has been a while since I've been on one, I used to do some flying. Don't do that much these days, but I'm, I promise you every time I've been up in the air before, I couldn't care at all what color the pilot was. All I want to know is that the pilot can safely land the plane. Now, any monkey can push the button to get the thing up in the air, really. I mean, I have no doubt that a kid with two hours of flight school training can get a plane up. It's getting the plane back down in one piece that is the tricky part. That's what I'm concerned about. But uh, to apply the ideology of affirmative action to a literal matter of life and death, well, that shows you exactly how dedicated to wokeness corporations like United Airlines have become, doesn't it? I mean, unless airlines are specifically turning down qualified candidates because of their race and gender already, like I already said, which is, by the way, for those of you who think America is systemically racist, it's already illegal to do that given the current equality laws. Uh, Well, then there's simply no problem that has to be fixed. There just isn't. If 
if you are saying, ah, oh, yeah, I, uh, you're you're you don't look like me. You're you're a different color. So no, we're just not going to hire you. I mean, yeah, you'd be really good at the job. A lot of great years of experience, and you know, you you were a pilot in the military. Uh, you've got nothing but commendations. You you've uh, flown for another rival airline of ours. We would actually be much better off of taking you away from them. But nah, 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 nah. We can't do that. You, you're just the wrong color. If, if you were doing that, then yes, correct it. Ah. Lack of diversity among any profession, any profession. Doesn't matter what. It's only a problem when people who are qualified for the role are being prevented from achieving their potential by nature of their sex or race. If diversity happens to be lacking, unless there's some form of underlying discrimination, nobody should care. It shouldn't be an issue. I mean, it, would anybody be all up at arms and join me in? Uh, trying to protest the NBA uh, because they won't let this short, slightly round white boy play in their league. I, I back in the day, in my younger years, I used to ball a little bit. I I could probably still sink a reasonable number of outside shots. I, I do not belong in the NBA. But I don't see a whole lot of people that look like me in the NBA. Generally speaking, I have expected all along. And things like the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball, all organizations who have uh, lost their collective minds to wokeness already. But in my younger days growing up, I always watched it, and I assumed that they selected the best talent and were even willing to put up with some crap to get the best players they could because they wanted to win because winning in that business at that point in time meant more money and that was that more money that was the driving factor you didn't embrace wokeness you just went and got the best talent now they have embraced wokeness in the case of uh, major league baseball and uh uh, the NBA, I'm, I'm not sure about the NFL yet, but it wouldn't surprise me to find out soon, especially since American viewers are tuning them out. Uh, the, the stands aren't being filled even before COVID. Stands weren't being filled like they used to be. People were already getting tired of their woke BS, uh, so they turned to a market where they want to uphold China. China's the only place that they're making serious money anymore. Woke only flies so far over there, but hey, you know. So clearly this is nothing more than a virtue signaling stunt. Rather than setting standards and letting anyone regardless of race or sex attempt to meet those standards, corporations like American Airlines are now giving in to pressure from the left to act as – identity puppet masters for certain industries, while, of course, leaving pure uh, mediocrity uh, the rule of the day. Uh, if you're mediocre, uh, that's good enough because you fit a certain image we're looking for. But then thinking back to this, when it comes to flying a plane, mediocre eh, should be the only factor we care about. We, we should want the most qualified person in that cockpit as the captain of that plane 
the person who's going to make sure to the best of their ability that not only are they going to get us up in the air, but they're going to get us safely to our destination. Obviously, they've gotten some backlash from some folks on the left, but it hasn't been nearly enough. These guys need to be squashed, uh, figuratively speaking. They need to be squashed. All right. So as you fine folks are aware, there's this little effort that's went on in Georgia to try and, you know, provide some better level of security to the upcoming elections. They witnessed from their COVID election malaise that there were weaknesses in the system. So they passed new laws to try to achieve some level of voter integrity. Now, there's still a lot of things in these new voter integrity laws that have actually makes it easier for people to cheat in some levels. I mean, have you seen what is acceptable as a form of ID? <coughs> now, first, the preferred voter ID is a driver's license, a legal, legitimate driver's license. But they also say that a non-driver's license state ID that is completely free to get in the state of Georgia is also acceptable. Now, those are the first two choices, and that's at the same tier. That is the preferred choice, driver's license or state photo ID. That's the preference. That's the gold standard. That's the Cadillac. But then they go down to also uh, the last four digits of your social security number would be accepted, uh, a copy of a utility bill. What? A utility? Excuse me? I mean it gets pretty ridiculous. In fact, they prefer a utility bill ahead of – if I'm remembering correctly because I was looking at this, and I thought that was kind of funny – ahead of a valid passport. But they have literally dozens of different ways that you can verify you are who you say they are, and they will accept it, meaning that there's still plenty of room right there to manipulate the system. There's no restrictions on asking for a mail-in ballot. They created these drop boxes, and they, they started the drop boxes for the purposes of COVID voting uh, this past election cycle, and they decided they like it enough that they're going to keep it, but – they decided that there's going to be restrictions on to the hours in which you can put your ballot in one of these drop boxes. It has to be some time when the polls are open. Uh, if you do a, use one of these drop boxes during early voting, it can only be done while early voting is going on. That's where Joe Biden got the lie about closing at 5. Because in Georgia, for early voting, even though there is weekend days available in the early voting – Meaning Saturday and Sunday, I, there aren't very many people that are working seven days a week uh, during the entirety of poll hours. Okay, Because if you're working seven days a week, chances are you're working a shift that lets you get off uh, early enough that you can still get there before five or that you're going in late enough that you can get there early in the day. So if you really want to go vote, this is not a restriction. The whole thing about food and water. They won't even let you have water in line. No, that's BS. You can have water in line. There's lots of uh, opportunities for people to bring you water. They just don't want people using enticements like food, water, T-shirts, whatever uh, to try and coerce your vote. 
So it's very specific about who cannot uh, engage in these activities. So again, lie after lie after lie. In, at the end of the day, far less restrictive than voting in New York, voting in Colorado, who strangely enough got the all-star game after they pulled it from Atlanta. Um, still all lies. Well, the Democrats aren't done lying about this yet because they still are trying to claim. Many of them, Joe Biden himself, certainly old enough to know and remember how terrible Jim Crow was. In fact, uh, Biden's almost old enough to remember slavery, uh, <laughs> but definitely old enough to know exactly uh, how bad Jim Crow was and how ridiculously huge of a lie – even attempting to compare the Georgia integrity laws to Jim Crow. It's Jim Crow on steroids. No, it's not, and you know it's not. Stop with the BS. Blatant lies, blatant lies with just enough of what you're saying based in the bill that it can be used to confuse it. See right here it says – yeah, that's for the drop boxes because during early voting. That's not saying the polls are closing at 5 o'clock for every freaking day, especially on Election Day. Anyway, they're so determined. They're so determined to keep this going on that now the Atlanta mayor, Miss Keisha Lance Bottoms, she signed an executive order to <clears throat> mitigate the impact of Georgia's new election integrity law, which is known as – the Election Integrity Act of 2021. She wants to mitigate the impact. I would say she's openly trying to uh, take the city of Atlanta and secede from the state of Georgia. The new election bill, of course, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed into law. It seeks to tighten up elections and reduce fraud by enforcing uh, conformity across the state. Amping up voter ID uh, just slightly. When you really look at how much they amped up voter ID, it didn't really. No. I'm sorry. A utility bill? No. You're not serious. Restricting drop boxes? No. Again, they've made the drop boxes permanent. They just say that you can't drop it off when the polls aren't open because somebody from the poll, when they're closing up the polls, they have to come uh, get the legitimate votes that have been dropped off. That's not restricting them. Now, it's different than how they played with the experiment for COVID, but they learned from the mistakes. It also is an effort to expand in-person voting among additional election-related overhauls. Uh, I think that's a very bad description of what it does. Uh, in lots of ways, it falls far short on all of those. Now, although Georgia has received widespread criticism from a number of corporations. Kemp has said that he's moving forward with the decision to sign the bill into law and has done so. And he said, quote, I want to be clear. I will not be backing down from this fight. Now, he said that during a press conference this past Saturday after Major League Baseball decided to move the All-Star game out of Georgia. He said, we will not be intimidated, and we will also not be silenced. According to the Atlanta mayor, however, the bill will hit minorities in Atlanta the hardest. How exactly? I mean, I keep hearing that, but nobody can adequately explain to me how. 
they keep making some vague references about how black people are supposedly not smart enough to to get onto the internet. Well, they don't have access to that. Well, some of them don't have any access to the internet. Guess what? They probably have television. Uh, we've certainly talked about this enough. They probably have people in their lives that are willing to help them with this. And if not, I still don't understand your argument. Uh, saying, quote, here, uh, the voting restrictions of SB 202 will disproportionately impact Atlanta residents, particularly in communities of color and other minority groups. This administrative order is designed to do what those in the majority of the state legislature did not, expand access to our rights to vote. I am hereby directing the chief equity officer. Again, remember, I tell you, if they're using the word equity instead of equality, they're trying to scam you. I'm hereby directing the chief equity officer to consult with the Department, excuse me, the Department of Law, and develop a plan of action to mitigate the impact on city of Atlanta residents of the voting restrictions. Again, what restrictions? There's literally only one thing that's changed that is a actual restriction, and that is, oh, those drop boxes aren't going to be available 24/7. If you're not serious enough to vote in the time frame when the polls are open, then you don't seriously deserve to get to vote. I mean I've got a pretty low bar as far as what I believe legally should be mandated. Now, personally, I feel like you should be able to pass the simple test and show that you understand a bare minimum about how our government is supposed to work before you're allowed to vote. I would even be okay with you having to be a property owner <laughs> before you could vote. Because until you are one, you don't really have that much skin in the game as far as what governments do when they start imposing rules and laws on you. You're just uh, a dandelion uh, seed floating, drifting in the wind. So Lance Bottoms' executive order instructs the city's non-emergency services department to work with the mayor's office to constitute services to, quote, train staffers on voter regulations related to early absentee and in-person voting. Inform residents about how to obtain a valid form of identification for absentee voting. To place QR codes with links to voter registration and absentee voting information on official mailings like water bills, those utility bills that are part of the acceptable identification. Develop public service announcements that adequately articulate the new voting deadlines. Okay, so basically she claims to be fighting this bill, but she's really just trying to make sure that the residents in her city are aware of what they need to do in order to vote. That seems to be a reasonable part of the job of the election commission, and if she wants to help out the election commission, I suppose that's okay. But to make the statements that these things will disproportionately affect these people is to say, once again, you don't have enough faith in the minorities, the people of color within your city to be able to navigate this on their own. Now, there may be some folks that will get confused about it, and I guarantee you there will be some folks that meet that description that have a very pale skin tone as well because stupid doesn't recognize skin color. Stupid is just stupid. 
And when you put all this legalese in and you're trying to play it off and use all this spin and play the our team is better than your team, uh, you're intentionally trying to confuse people, then it's not even stupid. It's just a matter of I don't have enough actual information to know what to do. That's kind of on you guys, Miss Lance Bottom. This effort, which is a very meager effort, very meager attempt to try and maintain some level of integrity, is one of the least restrictive uh, statewide uh, voting laws uh, that exist within the 50 states. It really is, and anybody who tells you any differently, they either don't know, they're trusting the wrong people, or they do know, and they are intentionally lying to you. It's just that simple. There, there's not very much gray area. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to have to be it for me tonight. I'm going to have to leave it there. I want to once again thank Ron Edwards for being with me back in hour number one of tonight's live broadcast. If you're hearing this as part of a rebroadcast and you missed the previous, uh, please feel free to visit tapintothetruth.com, and from there – check out uh, the podcast. I would ask you to uh, visit the Spreaker uh, podcast, but you can find it in podcast form just about every platform that does podcast. Uh, don't forget to follow the show when you're there. Uh, I would greatly appreciate it. In the meanwhile, uh, please don't take my word for anything. Just don't. I, I do come with an agenda to try and spread some common sense, a little truth, and some conservative ideology while I'm at it. So don't take my word for it, but definitely don't don't take the other guy's word for it either. Be prepared to put in some effort, do your own research, your own homework, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. You guys stay safe out there, stay healthy, and you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. I'm out for now. We'll see you Friday.
is using both hands. using both hands.